God's goodness is no small thing. His kindness is no small thing. His victory is no small thing. And what God has done for us is to set us up to live from the future rather than from our past. Are you ready for that? I'm ready to live from the future. I am ready to lean into the anchor that is my hope beyond the veil. I am ready right now to take a step forward and to start pressing in and pressing forward, knowing that the victory that Jesus won for me is what beckons and calls me forward. Can we pray together before we start? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every woman that is in the house this evening. I thank you, Lord, for her story and the fact that your grace is woven all the way through it. And you're going to open our eyes to it, Lord. You're going to open our ears to it. And you're going to help us step boldly into the future that you've called us to. I pray, Father, for everything we left at home behind that we've trusted you with in order to gather in the room today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that as we walk out of here, you'll be fixing some things that we left behind. You'll be setting some things in order. You'll be setting our heart to see things about our lives we haven't seen before. Thank you for the anointing that is on your word, for every word that you're going to speak to your girls. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be a mighty force, and we say yes to you. And every girl that agrees, say amen. Amen. Are you really in agreement? That's amazing. What God can do with the girls that agree. This is good. I'm so happy. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you this evening about where do you run when the pressure comes? Yeah. So the story is of David. David finds himself outside of a cave, knowing or inside of a cave, knowing that Saul... The bad king Saul, the wicked king Saul, had uh, come into the cave, and uh, he was going to use the bathroom, relieve himself, and David thought, I've got an edge on him now, I've got him cornered, because God had taken the, the kingdom from Saul, anointed David, and David had been running from Saul, who was angry toward him for all this time. But God moved on David's heart, and he realized that it's not by my own power, and it is not by my own hand that my enemies are going to succumb, but it is because of God and the trust that God has on how he made David and what he set David up for, that David could be bold enough to back off and not take advantage of that moment and trust God to do what God had promised to do for him. Boldness takes different forms in our lives. Are you aware of this? So why don't you turn with me, if you would, if you've got your Bibles, to 2 Samuel, and let's read what David says about his overcoming Saul. Second Kings, first, uh, chapter 22, and my technology kind of flipped on me. Here we go. All right, 22 verses 2 through 4. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my place of safety. He is my God, the rock I run to for protection. He is my shield. By his power I am saved. He is my hiding place, my place of safety. High in the hills. Everybody say, God is high. God is on high. Yes, he's above us all. He is my hiding place, my savior, the one who rescues me from the cruel enemy. I called to the Lord for help 
and he saved me from my enemies. He is worthy of my praise. When we see that David overcame his enemies, we look back on his life and realize that David had this amazing relationship with God when he was a boy. And he was out on the back 40 taking care of the sheep and the courage that came in his heart when he realized that God was going to take care of him and he needed to defend the sheep and steward what had been placed in his hand at that moment. So the courage that David had to rise up and realize he might not know exactly what to do, but he was going to use his shepherd crook or and rush at the enemy in order to save what God had given to him. What is in your hand and what has God given to you that you need to steward and protect forward? Whether or not that you feel courage, you can be courageous if somebody's coming after your baby. Is that right? Somebody's coming after your kid. I may not have thought that I was brave and courageous, but if somebody picked on my kid, I'd find a lampshade. I'd find, I'd find a lamp pole. I'd, I'd take a chair off out of my kitchen table. I'd beat them off, right? If they were coming after the things that were precious to me, I might seem timid and calm. No, really, I'm sure I don't. But, but I, I might seem demure or, or when I stand beside my husband, he's always fiery and strong and, and I, I'm the calm one beside him sometimes. But if you're picking on the things that I love, I'm going to find courage I didn't have before. Is that right? So David found his courage, and he says through the Psalms that he's writing that it is the Lord that gives me strength. It is the Lord that has given me courage. It is the Lord that has given me confidence because he put this in my hand to steward. David was faithful to God through the early years, and then when it came time for him to face the giant, he remembered what that God had given him, the lion and the bear that had come to destroy the sheep, and he was able to overcome, and he just recognize that this is God's people. This is God's flock. This is God's uh, anointed chosen people. And the enemy is coming against it. Just like the lion and the bear, I'm going to find courage that I didn't otherwise have. And I'm going to step out in trust, knowing that God will deliver my enemies into my hands. And then when David overcame Goliath, he took the sling and the stone, the things that were familiar to him, rather than Saul, the king's armor. And he went out to battle, not with all the new technology, not with all of the new fangled things that people were trying to introduce to him, but he reached back into his confidence of his own call, of his own walk with God, of his own relationship with God, and he drew courage from what God had already said to him, what God had already done to him, and then he stepped forward with courage and confidence against the enemy that was threatening him and challenging him. And I believe tonight that God wants us to draw on what he has already done, what he has already said. And he will tell us more and he will do more if in fact we will take what God has given us and step forward. So where do you run when the pressure comes? When the enemies of your life seem overwhelming? I'm sure that at that moment with David, whenever he was facing the fact that his enemy was ready to be captured, But God was saying, it's not yet time. You're not the one to take this one out. Your courage and your boldness is to trust me to move this one out of the way for you. Right? He knew how to run to the lion and take him down. He knew how to run 
to the bear and take him down. And now he had the enemy cornered and he could have killed wicked King Saul that was trying to kill him. But instead, he just puts the enemy on notice. Are you ready to say, no devil, not today? Are you ready to put the enemy on notice? That's what he did. He told Saul, I, Saul, I'm here, and I could have killed you, but I spared your life. David snuck up to him. How distracted did Saul have to be for David to be able to cut off the piece of his clothes and then say, see how close I was to you and I still didn't kill you? <laughs> That's what David did to King Saul. See how close to you and I still didn't kill you? Because this is the Lord's battle. And God will take care of the call that he's placed on my life. There are some things in our life it takes boldness for us to go right in and put the sword to the heart of the enemy of fear, of despair, of insecurity. But there are some battles that have a timing to it. And God, in fact, takes that time and he says, you trust me. Of course, in battle, Saul came against those that uh, and, and betrayed uh, the leadership that had been placed in his life. Saul uh, took the enemy into his own hands and did what God had told him not to do. He put the people of God at risk, and God had David in the wings. And when it was time for Saul to die, God took care of it another way so that David did not have Saul's blood on his hands. And so David could step into the kingdom with the crown on his head, knowing that it wasn't, that he didn't win this by his own power. It was God that put him in that place. And therefore, he could stand as the king to overcome the enemies of God, knowing that God had set him up. God is the one that called him. God is the one that anointed him. God was the one that put him in this place. And therefore, he could have confidence in God to move other enemies out of the way and for him to be able to move forward. I want you to know that you are called not by me, not by Barb, not by uh, the, the leaders in your life, but you're called by God. And we're here to steward and shepherd and call you forward and equip you and empower you to do what God has called you to do. Whether you are single, a businesswoman, whether you're married, whether you're a grandmother like me, whether you are a teenager starting out in life, each one of you are God's daughters that have a call on your life. And God wants you to know that he is a safe place for you to run when the pressure comes. Knowing that when you run after God, that he's going to set you up for courageous moves forward. Let's just take our hands and... And say, I'm pressing up. I'm pressing up. Yeah. Pressing into the call of God. The, the scripture tells us that if, in fact, we will press toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, like the Apostle Paul said he was doing, I press toward the high calling in Christ Jesus. I press upwards toward the high calling that is in Christ Jesus, that God will give us courage to overcome the difficulties in our life. So ask the girl next to you a question that you don't actually have to answer, but just say, where's your safe place? Yeah, where's your safe place? Yeah. So if we were to, to describe a place of safety, it's when you feel pressure and you have a place to breathe 
get your thoughts together and know how to respond. Is that right? A place of safety is not a place for you to retreat, but a place of safety is where that you can get a vantage point, have perspective, know how to make strategic moves forward, know how to come at the enemy from the right angle. Is that right? A safe place is a place where, of course, God is going to protect us and help us in order to fulfill the call that he has on our life. He's not going to protect us to do any strange, weird, and... um, outlandish thing that we can dream up, but he's going to protect us to move forward into the high call of Christ Jesus on our life in order to encourage us forward to move and advance his, po- his possibilities, his opportunities into our life. He is dreaming amazing plans about you. Do you know that? God's dreaming about you, and he's inviting you to press into that. But sometimes pressing into that means stepping into the presence of God to be washed and cleansed and have our relationship with God encourage us. So where do you run when the pressure comes? Where is your safe place? So I'll tell you a little story about me. You want to know? All right. I grew up in the country with six siblings. I was number five, five girls and one boy, and we lived out on 40 acres. It seems so idyllic, but I was, you know, living in a a family with with a path between my house and grandma's house. There actually was a path. There actually was a creek. There was a little bridge over my house on the way to grandmother's. (laughs) serious. Uh, Yeah. And we had chickens and ducks and guinea fowl and uh, horses and cows. And at some point we had exotic animals like baby raccoons, baby alligators. We had a parrot from Brazil that talked and said all of our names, Jen, John, Joy, Joe, Judy, Jill. Yeah. And it would sing, I find no fault in him with a warble. Yeah, that was the parrot. I mean, it was a a fairy tale kind of a a, a story. My grandfather had started a church, and my father was pastoring that church, and we were like country pastors. We were the family that went out to take care of everyone and to uh, my mother uh, delivered 300 babies. She played the organ. She uh, organized the children's uh, child evangelism department. She was superwoman, and I could never live up to her, but here we were living this fairy tale country life. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, but you would have thought it was the 1930s or 40s because the answer to anything we wanted to do was kind of no. We didn't... go to movies, go to uh, watch television, cut our hair, wear pants, wear makeup, play sports. It wasn't really encouraged the, that the girls get an education. It was n- almost Amish in the way that we looked. We measured our, our skirts every uh, twice a year to make sure that they were two and a half inches below the little bump at the bottom of your knee. Yeah. And, you know, things happen uh, throughout the course of the year and clothes shrink. Right. So we had to measure our skirts. Right. We didn't wear pants. We didn't have mixed bathing and we swam in our dresses. Now, what kind of a hazard is that? What kind of a 
keeping safe as that, right? But we swam. We had a three and a half acre pond, and we would invite the youth that were a part of our group to come out, but the boys and the girls were all separate. It was an amazing life until I realized that we were so far outside of understanding social norms that to get a job or to live in the real world or to have an actual relationship with someone, I needed skills I didn't have, right? I was homeschooled and went to uh, uh, Christian school, and then I had needed to go to public school. And wow, was that a shocker. <laughs> yeah, I had no clue because it was groupthink, and everyone, we, had, we played games, and we were happy. We did puzzles, and we got out here in the real world and found out that there was a whole world we didn't understand. However, I'd been taught that Jesus loved me and that he was the answer and he had wisdom, but I began to see the duality um, of the difference between religion and relationship. When I actually began believing and, and reading my own Bible, it didn't all measure up to everything I was seeing, and so I was very confused. But God began to lead me on a track of discovering his heart, and it was like being on the back 40 with your sheep, <laughs> And encountering a lion. Come on, have you ever faced a lion? Uh, encountering all of the fears and the intimidation and the insecurities and the lack of skill. And I found out that I was dyslexic and I had ADD. I mean, that's what we found out later that that was. I didn't really understand it at that point. But I, w I, I didn't... I didn't really know how to excel at school, and I had, all, I had some learning disabilities. And so in my whole perspective of life, I felt like that I was trapped. But God began to give me clues and keys to step out and overcome the lion and the bear in my life. And it was through a relationship with God. It was learning that God was my safe place in which that I could retreat to. And whenever I came into the presence of God, I would gain courage that I didn't know I had. Well, I began to pursue Jesus. I went to college. I met Terry Christ. He was so cute, but he was popular, and I was all for justice, and I was going to pursue my relationship with God and be a missionary. I was so sure I was called to be a missionary. So whenever I met Terry, it was like, you're popular, you're cute, all the girls like you. I'm not a groupie. <laughs> but he felt like God had told him when he saw me that I was his wife, and I just thought that was weird. But then I listened to him and the call that was on his life. And he had this heart to reclaim the name and the fame of Jesus in our generation, to see a global harvest and a, a glorious church and a clear demonstration of the kingdom of God. And it was like, I tell, I tell people, he didn't propose, he recruited me. <laughs> yeah. So, I, okay, I'm in, Right. And then we were learning people skills together because we both came from that kind of background. So we were leaning in and, and loving Jesus and, uh, and trying to help people and uh, stepping out beyond these religious boundaries into our relationship with God, seeing the bigger, broader world of what God could do through, for us. And we uh, planted a church in Kansas City, and we were all happy, and people were coming to Jesus. And then, oops, I got pregnant. I was going to be wise and wait. Uh, I was going to be wise and save money. And then I, I lost that baby. 
And uh, it was like, okay, now I feel a little cheated. Now I want children. And then uh, a little bit long, longer, I uh, uh, waited a little bit and got pregnant again. And then lost that baby at about four months. And uh, okay, I don't really understand how that I'm leading people to Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I've overcome the lion and the bear, and now I'm facing something that I can't control. I'm facing something that I have to trust God with, and I got pregnant the third time. I lost that baby at about four and a half months, had a bad blood transfusion, got a blood disease. My immune system was falling apart, and the doctor just said, you should not have babies. This is not what you should do, and I felt like I should lean in to do this. It developed a heart in me for foster care and adoption. It developed to harden me for the girls that went through abortion because I understood and knew that I needed to care for the girls in the circumstances that they didn't understand and the ways that they were trying to solve their own problems. So God was birthing a heart in me to be able to reach out to the hurting and to be able to help the hopeless. But at the same time, here we were leading people to Jesus and discovering that we had challenges in our own life as well. Have you been there? Yeah. I felt that pressure coming at me again like had, I had felt with the lion who said I couldn't be anything that God had called me to be because I was a girl and I didn't have skills. And then I felt the lion or the bear coming at me and saying, you're a girl and you can't do what, I, what you feel like that God has called you to do. You can't be a missionary because you can't go out into the big, bold world by yourself, right? And then here we were married and Terry was just saying, you know more than they do. You've got to help me. I don't care what people think about women in ministry. It's important for you to step up and just be a leader. Be who God has called you to be. We discovered that the Bible didn't say what everybody else thought that it was saying, but in the process of doing that, we were leading and learning together, and I was losing babies, and I was sick. I was very, very ill. But in the process of that, I got pregnant the fourth time, and I carried that baby six months. And then at the six-month mark, I lost that baby. And at that point, I felt like it was the end. I had no strategy. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know how to press forward. Every time before then, I had just run to Jesus. He was my safe place. And I felt like I had hope to move forward. But, but at this time, it was like I have nothing else to give. And in the process of that, I'll read you the scripture that I felt like was happening to me. And it is 2 Samuel, the rest of that, that, rest of that scripture, whenever um, David was speaking and he says, ah, let me find it. It's here. All right, 2 Samuel 22. And David was later describing how that the Lord was his refuge. And he said it this way. The waves of death were crashing around me. A deadly flood was carrying me away. The ropes of the grave wrapped around me. Death set its trap right here in front of me. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. And then, in my trouble, I cried to the Lord. Yes, I cried out to my God for help. And there in his temple, he heard my voice. He, he heard my cry to help. And then the earth shook. Look how God responded to David. The earth shook and shivered. The foundations of heaven trembled. They shook because he was angry. Smoke came from his nose. Burning flame came from his mouth. Red hot coals fell from him. He tore open the sky and came down. He looked on a... Th 
he stood on a thick, dark cloud. He flew across the sky, riding on a cherub angel, gliding on the wings of the wind. He wrapped himself in darkness that covered him like a tent. He was hidden by dark clouds filled with water. Wow, God stirred a storm in response to David's cry. And he came with his full fury against his enemy. Out of the brightness before him, flashes of lightning came. The Lord thundered from the sky. God most high, let his voice be heard. He scattered the enemy with his arrows, the lightning bolts that threw them into confusion. Do you know you may not even know what's happening in the spirit realm whenever you cry to God, but something like this is going on. God is fighting for you. Yes, he is responding to you. The lightning bolts that threw them into confusion, the Lord shouted his command and a powerful wind began to blow. Then the bottom of the sea could be seen. The earth's foundations were uncovered. The Lord reached down from above and grabbed me. He pulled me out of deep water. He saved me from my powerful enemies who hated me. They were too strong for me, so he saved me. They attacked me in the time of trouble, but the Lord was there and supported me. He was pleased with me, so he rescued me, and he took me to a safe place place. Yeah. So my story is after that fourth baby, the doctors had asked me to abort that baby. The doctors had asked me to, um, to actually make it where I wouldn't get pregnant again. And I just ran to the Lord. I remember after losing that baby, seeing this little spiritual picture in my heart. It was as real as if I was seeing it with my natural eyes of the angels of the Lord coming into the room, putting their hands into my womb and carrying that baby into the presence of God. And peace flooded me like you cannot believe. I was having a DNC and and the doctors uh, came to take that baby and I was frightened out of my wits. At that particular moment, when I cried to the Lord and the peace of God came and I saw this spiritual picture and I knew everything was going to be all right. I just knew in my heart of hearts, everything was going to be all right. I went home and got pregnant again. Now, I know what you're saying about this, Judith. Don't you know how that happens? (laughs) What are you thinking? Exactly. I got pregnant again, and whenever I was between 17 and 20 weeks along, they told me there was no heartbeat. And I decided I was just going to run to Jesus. I was going to run to Jesus where my help comes from, where my confidence comes from, so that he knows the next step. I don't know the next step, but there was a shift and a change with a peace inside of me that brought me into a place where I was more reliant on Jesus. I was away and didn't go back to the doctor's office for six weeks. They had given me an original due date, and I went back after they had told me that there was no heartbeat. When I returned to have them take that baby, I just asked them for another ultrasound. And I was laying there with jelly on my belly. (laughs) And the doctors are looking at the screen, and they all ran out of the room. And then they brought more people, and they all came back into the room. And then they all back, ran back out of the room. They brought more people, and they came back into the room. And I'm saying, okay, I'm over here. I'm the girl with the jelly on my belly. Somebody tell me what's happening. And they all stood in front of me and straightened all their coats. Miss Christ, the fetus has not grown, but there's a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a heartbeat. 
And so from that point on, my son began to grow in my womb. I delivered him exactly six weeks later than his original due date. Yeah, come on. When he was three months old, they told me that he had mainline brain damage, that he might not walk, talk, see, or hear. But I ran back to Jesus with my baby. And then he began to wake up. We had to pray for every organ, every function, every motor skill. Every, and every diagnosis was bad, but they began to get better. Mrs. Christ, your son is blind. Mrs. Christ, your son has, um, he is extremely autistic. Mrs. Christ, your son is mildly autistic. Mrs. Christ, your son is gifted. Mrs. Christ, your son may have Asperger's. Mrs. Christ, he's doing well. Yeah, right? And then he, uh, we moved out here from, we, we lived in Kansas City, and I had two more beautiful pregnancies and beautiful baby boys. They each are the, a miracle of their own. I had three boys, and we moved out here. We went to the doctor, and the doctor was saying to us, um, uh, let's, let's look at your boy. He is blind. He only has, he has no peripheral vision out of one eye and just a sliver of vision out of his right eye. So how is he reading and writing, and calculating, and moving forward with only that amount of vision. They wanted to give him all the special needs tools that he needed to function, and he kind of refused them. He didn't want labels. He wanted to make it on his own, and come on, it's his faith. I'm going with that, right? And so he went into high school, graduated high school with two college credits under his belt, graduated college with double degrees, double honors from the honors college. He went to law school became the first, the youngest uh, person at that time to have passed the bar. And then he went to a post-law degree in New York City. And then he came back and he is the assistant attorney general of the state of Arizona. Yeah. And he has a baby girl that has bright red hair just like him. <laughs> yeah. I faced the lion and the bear in my life. And when I came against the giant, I had to rely on what God had done in my life. And you know, since that time, I've seen enemy after enemy fall. And some of those enemies, I had to go nose to nose with them. And some enemies, I had to go toe to toe with them. And some enemies, I had to stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. But I know the deliverance of my God. I know the promises that he has kept in my life. And I'm telling every single one of you today, no matter what it is you think you face, whether it's internal or external, the God of heaven calls you his own daughter. And he knows the technology that he has placed inside of you to respond to him. He has more faith in you than you have faith in yourself or that you even have faith in him. And he's asking you to pull on the fact that he is your safe refuge. And if you will turn to him when pressure comes, he wants to deliver you from your enemies. The enemies today are not your son, your husband, your boss, your friend, the one who betrayed you, or the one who is trying to distract you. That's not your enemy. Your enemy is God's enemy. And God's enemy does not have enough power to go against God himself. So he tries to distract the object of God's affection. 
just like he did with Adam and Eve. And so he's going to come after you and he's going to come at you like a lion and he's going to come at you like a bear and he's going to come at you like a giant and he's going to come at you like the wicked King Saul. But I'm telling you, girlfriend, tonight that the God of heaven has you in the palm of his hand. And if you will turn your heart to him, turn your heart to him when the pressure comes, quit trying to figure it all out yourself. Yeah. Press upward toward the call, the high call of Christ Jesus in you. Because when you run to Jesus, you are running to love. When you run to God and you turn to God, you're running to love. The Bible in uh, 1 John tells us that God is love. And if God is love, when you're turning to God, you are not turning to the image of your father or your boss or your husband or your ex or your mother that maybe have a scoldy finger in your face and a little bit of condemnation and guilt or maybe a whole lot. That's not what God's face looks like towards you. God's face looks like toward you. What John 14 tells us, excuse me, 1 John verse 14 tells us that The image of God is Jesus, and that when Jesus came, he is full of grace and truth. And that, in fact, Jesus expresses the nature and the character of God toward you. And so he is your heavenly father that's able to create a way where there is no way. So this is not bravado. This is not putting on a face. This is not leaning in with the force of our own will to change our circumstances. This is putting our roots down deep and running to God who is our source and our strength. And he will strengthen you for the journey ahead. He will place his confidence in your heart. And you can stand before your enemies and say, no, devil, not today. Not on my watch. Not with my jurisdiction, my flock, my sheep, my family, my health, my mind, my marriage, right? The God of heaven is saying to you that your confidence comes from knowing your relationship with him. Where do you run when the pressure comes? I don't know. I had a few things. Like I'd go to the bathroom and lock the door because nobody could actually tell me that I had to come out of there. Yeah? I would escape in oh, music. I loved music, and I could just block the world out. But I got my old bad habits and attitudes when I would turn the music off. Right? But I began to get the word of God deep in my heart, knowing that when I run to Jesus, I run to love. When I run to Jesus, I run to grace. And grace, the Bible tells us that it is found at the throne of grace where there is practical help when you need it. How good is that? How good is grace when you need it, right? So if grace is God's free gift of empowering favor and practical help when you need it, why would you not run to God? Why would you try to figure it out on your own? Get the word of God down deep. Who is God? Train your brain. Psychologists tell us that there is this primal instinct that our brain is trained to keep us breathing and to respond to threats. And that, in fact, that's the downstairs brain where that we either freeze 
or flee or fight. So the fight and flight and freeze syndrome, right? So when we come to an enemy and we've got pressure, we tend to go to that primal instinct that, well, our in sometimes stinks, but our instinct. Oh, you didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. But our instincts sometimes stink whenever we go to trying to defend and protect ourselves, right? But whenever we put the Lord in front of us and we realize that our upstairs brain is our developing brain where we can gain perspective, we can make good responsive choices, we can train our brain. There's this bridge between where that when we get hit with pressure, we can go to that downstairs brain and we can come out, you know, which of you would have the main instinct of you just come on, coming right at it. If I feel threatened, I'm speaking to it. I'm yelling. I am coming at it with force. Anybody bold enough to say in the room, that's my primal instinct. I'm going to be, I'm going to come right at it. Yeah. And then some of us, we flee. We just run away. I was a runner. My husband and I get in a fight. I'd get in the car and leave. That was me. Yeah. When the pressure came, I didn't have the verbal skills to come at him because he was smart and he was verbal. And God began to say, I'm going to help you live in your upstairs brain and get the skills to be able to speak peace and life and strength and, and not just go to your runaway mindset, right? Some of us just freeze and we're not able to think and we're not able to overcome. But God is saying to you, you are my daughter. You have a developing part of your brain that the word of God coming in. You can train your brain. You can train your feelings. You can train your instincts. So before we finish here today, would you do a little exercise with me that I do with children in counseling? Would you do this? All right. Put your hands on your head. Yeah. A little button come undone. I look okay? All right. Put your hands on your head and say, my thoughts are not me. Thoughts come and go. I can choose which thoughts to think and which thoughts to throw away. Yeah. Put your hand right here. Say, my feelings are not me. I can choose which feelings to feel and which feelings to chase away. It is the word of God that gives you strength because the word of God is a living seed that has power within itself. And if you will allow it to occupy your brain and your heart, if you will allow it to speak life to you and you put the strength of your will into the will of God, what he is calling you to do, what he says about you, put the strength of your choices in line with God's choices. Obedience is easy when you give everything to Jesus. And when he tells you that he loves you, he's serious about this. He's so serious like this, about this that he fixed his favor with Jesus on the cross. He's not up and down about how he feels about you. He has set his love upon you. He is here for you to run to. He is here to give you the confidence that you need so that in the times of pressure, he will help you and he will deliver you in those times of pressure. All right, last scripture. You ready for this? All right, let's go. Amen. Hebrews 2.1. Jesus became like us, 
like us as these people, talking about all the people in the world, Jesus became like us and died so that he could free us. We were all like slaves because of the fear of death. Do you know the thing that really enslaves us when we put a name on it and a face on it? It's the fear of not being fulfilled. It's the fear of not being protected. It's the fear of not being able to pursue our own interests and our own dreams. It comes to the fact that we think we might not have time or space for God to do what he said that he would do. And that's when we take things into our own hands like Eve did. Is that right? But God himself is saying, the boldness that comes from being in sync with me is when you know who I really am. When you know who you really are. And Jesus came to free you from the fear of death. You had a beginning, but you will never have an ending. It will take all of eternity for God to show you the gold that he has placed in you. There are so many talents and abilities that you have that God's saying, baby girl, we're going to enjoy each other forever because I'm going to show you who you really are. But it takes a time for us to come out of the back 40 where we've been just tending to our own flock and come out and face the giants in our lives. And in order to do that, we have to focus. We have to allow growth to happen in our lives. Is that right? Come on, girls, boldness comes when you know you can focus because I can do whatever God has called me to do now because I'm not going to die unfulfilled. I've got eternity. Yes, I can be that concert pianist that I couldn't be before. I'm going to write all the songs in heaven, and you all are going to sing them. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have the voice that I haven't been able to develop. I'm going to be the painter that I haven't been able to become because I've been a wife and a mom and a pastor and a friend, right? What is it that God's put in front of you that he's called you to do? It has to do with your mentality and your money and your health and your calling. What is God putting in front of you? There is no giant in your promised land that God has not claimed ownership and victory over. Can we stand together? Yeah. Come on. He's come to free you from the fear of death. He's come to free you from the fear of disease. He's come to free you from the fear of unfulfillment. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to press upward and to claim what God has done for you? When I was in Russia and met with Anna, Anna was uh, an older lady about 78 years old. Her husband had been the Russian army and she didn't speak a bit of English. And I was there to minister and they put me in Anna's house. This was the funniest thing you have ever seen. I was trying to figure out what each other was saying. And I would tell her, I'm not really hungry. Don't fix me anything. And I would get a stack of Russian pancakes, Bellini, about this tall every morning. And she would make me tea and she put like Eagle's brand milk in it. Have you ever had tea with Eagle's brand milk? It's amazing actually. But that was their version of how they sweetened their tea. And she would try to feed me and she'd try to communicate with me everything I said I needed. She didn't understand it. But we loved Jesus together. 
And I saw, looking at the pictures of Anna's life and the hardships that she had gone through and the things that she'd overcome, she'd been a nurse, but she had discovered Jesus. And the boldness for her to step out of her environment and be able to come in with the young'uns, she was the only person over 50 in that church. And she came in there to support the young ones that were moving forward to see the move of God happen in her generation. And I saw a boldness that I knew I wanted and I needed. Do you have somebody in your life that you see a boldness that you know that you need? God says, if you have that desire, he wants to give that to you tonight. Yeah? Tonight, are you ready? Yeah? Are you ready? And then Cynthia, girl in South Africa who lived in the shanty towns, who lived... She, she, had a, she had come from another country in South Africa, and she had come with her children, and her children had gotten taken away by the, by the authorities, and uh, she was raising our grandkids. But she knew Jesus, and she was telling us as I was coming into her home, can I please offer you something to eat? And when I looked at her, she had cardboard she had painted. She had a little um, water dispensary that had to do with being rigged up to a little tank. And she had a little kind of a, a camping burner in her house, which looked very dangerous to me. And here she was with the love of Jesus saying, let me tell you what God has done for me. And she began to tell me what God had already done for her, how he had saved her life and brought her to where she thought she was in a safe place. And then she began to tell me about the overcoming victory that she was speaking over her children. And I believed her. <laughs> she was so strong in belief that I believed her. With Anna and with Cynthia and my story today, I'm telling you that I don't care what you're facing. God is in your future, and he is your safe place. He is giving you courage and confidence. Your confidence does not come from your loud mouth. Your confidence does not come from your bravado. Your confidence does not come from you just standing up for yourself and taking matters into your own hands. Your confidence comes from the God of heaven who said that he has already called you into your future, and he is wanting you to stand up and be bold in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stretch your hands out with all your heart to God. Father, I thank you today that the shackles and chains of the fear of failure, the fear of death, the fear of disease, the fear of broken relationships, the fear that keeps us back from running to you and pressing into our future with boldness today in the name of Jesus. I thank you that your holy presence is washing it away that your love is washing and cleansing, that your grace is going to give practical help when we need it, that information is going to come to our minds, that the presence of God is going to flood our cars, our bedrooms, our homes, at that corner where we always seem to beat ourselves up. Lord, right there, you're going to give strength and life. And out of all of the thoughts of doubt in our mind, you're going to be faithful to give us one thing to hold on to. And if, in fact, you want to take a bold step to say yes to Jesus for freedom and boldness and power, yeah, just right where you are, put one foot in front of the other and step forward. Thank you, Father, right now for the freedom that you have promised and that you have offered us. Come on, let's begin to worship the Lord. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you for your love toward us. Thank you that no matter what we're facing, you are here. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your voices. 
Let your voice be heard to the God of heaven. I'm running to you. You are my safe place. You are my refuge. You are my confidence. You are bold for me, so I'll be bold for you. Thank you, Father, that there isn't anything that I have to fear, knowing that this life is not the only thing that's happening. Thank you, Father, right now, Lord God, for those that are broken in relationships that know, Lord, that the pain of separation is pervading and helping us to flee and fight and and to freeze lord right now i thank you for freedom that we can lean into you that the word of god is true for us lord thank you that who you've made us to be lord we can be peacemakers and life givers lord thank you father if anyone is in the room that need relational healing from the wounds of your past just put your hands straight up in the air can you do it with boldness right now he said that he will even make your enemies to be at peace with you He will even make your enemies to be at peace with you. So thank you, Father, that you're giving us soft hearts and tough skin. Soft hearts and tough skin in the name of Jesus. Anyone in the room today that you're fighting sickness and disease, would you put your hands straight up in the air? Thank you for the healing touch of God. Lord, that your promises are true. Come on, choose your faith out of your doubts. You have the choice. Put your hands in the air if you need healing. Thank you, Lord, for the life and freedom and favor that washes over us. Lord, we speak to every cell in our body to respond to the word of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for miracles in the house today. Thank you, Father, for freedom from cancer, from mental illness. Thank you, Father, for freedom from kidney disease, from heart disease. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving us keys of how to control and possess our own promised land in the areas of our health. In the holy name of Jesus. Yeah, you want to sway with me? Sway in the presence of the Lord? Yeah. This is how we fight our battles? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we do it together? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. battles. This is how I fight my battles. Which way we go? 